Good morning, everybody. If you're brand new with us, my name is Aaron Stern. I'm the lead pastor here. So grateful to join together, have the opportunity to share the scriptures. Before we jump in, I want to make sure we welcome everybody joining us on live stream today. So glad that you're with us. Can we give a warm welcome? Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, we hope to see you in person sometime soon. So about a year ago, I was on an airplane watching a documentary about farming, and I was enthralled. And, and, and then the, the loudspeaker came on, the, the documentary froze while the uh, captain was speaking, saying, we're starting to make our descent into Denver. And as I'm watching, I'm thinking, how much of the movie is left? And he said, there's about 20 minutes before we land. And, and, and I looked at the time, and it was going to extend beyond the 20 minutes by a good amount. So I'm like, oh, I hope maybe we'll run into some weather. Maybe we need to circle a little bit. I mean, that's not normal, right? But I did not want the plane to land. I was so enthralled by this documentary. And, 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 and so, so here we find ourselves today at the conclusion of our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Started this journey nine months ago and have taken uh, beginning of February to now the end of October. And some of you might be feeling, ah, no, no, let's circle again. We're not quite ready for the plane to land. Well, I have some good news for you. Uh, Even though the series might be landing, the Sermon on the Mount and us living into it, that plane never lands. We are to live into and circle the airport and continue on our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, living out the words of Jesus for the rest of our lives. Now, the reason we've gone through uh, this series for nine months is a couple of reasons. One, we want to be a people that are radically focused on the ways and teachings of Jesus. If we're going to be like Him, we need to know what He has said and how He says it and how he lives. Secondly, specifically at the beginning of 2022, uh, we had a sense from God that his word for us for the year was kingdom. And so as a way to live into that and engage it in a greater way, it was to lean into Jesus' most robust teaching on the kingdom, the Sermon on the Mount. I like to call it his kingdom manifesto. His teaching on what it looks like to live as kingdom people in the kingdom of God. Now, some of you might be like, well, what is the kingdom or what's the kingdom of God? Jesus uses this phrase in so much of his teaching. He says uh, several times before he even starts talking about the Sermon on the Mount, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So, so being that that's his main message is about the kingdom, seems viable that we and, and valuable that we would know what the kingdom of heaven is all about or the kingdom of God. They're interchangeable. Good, easy definition, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. This is what it looks like when God is in charge. So Jesus came and he taught and demonstrated what it looks like for him to be king, for Jesus to be king. God to be in charge, Jesus to be king. Now, sometimes we might think of that like, oh, somebody to be in charge. You know what the kingdom of God looks like? Healing, joy, righteousness, mercy, generosity, enemy love, peacemaking. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. 
And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of chapter 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Make it your first priority. Make it what your life is all about. Seeking the kingdom of God in our lives and through our lives. Now, sometimes what happens is those, 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 that, that, that instruction, seek first the kingdom of God, gets worked through an individualistic, personalized lens. But Jesus' teachings are not to be domesticated by our individualism for personal gain, rather than being a path to communal flourishing and holy power. Rob Reimer, in his book Spiritual Authority, says Jesus doesn't want us to develop faith so our life is less anxious. Jesus wants us to grow in faith so we can develop authority and expand his kingdom so people will know he is king. He wants to demonstrate his kingship through you and me. So it's a in us and through us kingdom. Now, if I can, I want to nerd out on you just for a minute. Can I, can I Bible nerd on you for just a moment? So the Sermon on the Mount is found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew writes to a Jewish audience. So... So that's important for us to know because of the way that he structures the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is broken into five literary blocks. Each of those five literary blocks ends with, or is indi- the end is indicated by, Jesus saying something like, when Jesus had finished these words, or when Jesus had finished these teachings. He does that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. That's indicating the end of one particular block. So there's five of those blocks in the Gospel of Matthew. The five blocks of Matthew mirror the five books of the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Very important for the Jewish people. The five teachings of Jesus in Matthew mirror the five sermons of Moses in Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Torah. So this is Matthew's brilliant literary genius way of saying that Jesus is a new Moses, leading a new exodus, teaching a new Torah to a new Israel in a new kingdom. So here these Jewish, the Jewish audience is hearing him teach, and that Moses is a big, big deal, and Jesus is saying, I'm the new Moses. Now, you might say, well, that's interesting, but what does that have to do with this? <laughs> Good question, but hang with me. Success in the Old Testament is obedience to the Torah. Now, as we read the rest of the Old Testament after the Torah is given, we know they failed miserably. So success is not just difficult, it seems impossible. So success in the kingdom of God in the New Testament to the teaching of Jesus is obedience to the way of Jesus. So you might think, well, it was impossible in the Old Testament, Jesus seems to up the ante a bit in his teaching. Seems like that's going to be impossible too. This seems like a a, a lose-lose. But here's the good news. There's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, a little more of Old Testament history and then now into the New Testament. Jewish, Jewish, Jews in the Old Testament celebrated Passover. Passover was a celebration of the exodus of the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. 
50 days later, as they're in the wilderness, have left Egypt, they find themselves at Mount Sinai. Pentecost for them was celebrating the giving of the law to Moses, to the people at Mount Sinai. The law is given to guide his people in a way of life by which they will demonstrate that they really are his people. That's what they fail miserably at. Fifty, or excuse me, now on Passover in the New Testament, Jesus dies on the cross, freeing people from sin, the slavery of sin and death. Fifty days later, you know what happens? It's Pentecost. And on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is given to empower His people to follow the way of Jesus and demonstrate that they really are His people. In the Old Testament, the law, known as the teaching, was given. In the New Testament, Jesus gives the teaching, and He also gives the teacher. The Holy Spirit is also known as the teacher. So that's why in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Old Testament, here's the laws written out. New Testament, here's the laws put in your heart, written on your minds. Empowered, you are empowered to do it by the Holy Spirit. The importance of the Holy Spirit in relationship to Jesus and his teachings cannot be overemphasized. To be followers of Jesus and his teachings, we need a strong theology of the Holy Spirit. See, because without the Holy Spirit, we'll have a tendency to fall into arrogance and self-righteousness or despair and burnout. Now, as I talk about and we lean into talking about the Holy Spirit, some of you are like, oh, interesting, I'd love to learn more. For others, you might be like, oh, yes, this is so good. I've so uh, in, enjoyed the way in which we walk with the Holy Spirit. So true. I, 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 I want to lean into this, and I want other people to hear it. And others of you might be like, <gasps> wringing your hands. You're getting a little nervous. Your palms are sweating. And you're like, Marge, time to go. I'm getting nervous. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, kind of crazy. But whether it's confusing, makes you nervous, maybe you have some bad memories, as I was preparing this message, I actually felt like the Spirit gave me a, a word for somebody. Somebody who maybe has experienced pain around the subject or the topic of the Holy Spirit. Maybe because it's been about performance or emotionalism or maybe even manipulation. And so to, to lean in, the idea of leaning into the Holy Spirit is a, is a, a painful, brings up painful experiences. And the Holy Spirit would say to you today, that the place of pain is also the place of healing. It is the Holy Spirit that will bring about healing. And in many ways, I love the prayer, come Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is actually saying to you, come. And I had this one phrase, the power is in the seed, not in the sower. Meaning somebody may have manipulated and twisted something to, to misrepresent the reality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in fact true and good as indicated throughout the New Testament and throughout the Scripture. And so don't let somebody who twists it take away and steal from you that which God offers as a gift to us. Jesus says in John chapter 16, 
as he's talking to his disciples. It is to your advantage that I go away as he's talking about ascending into heaven because I'm so that I can send my Holy Spirit. Now, we might feel like, oh, that's really cool a couple thousand years later, but imagine hearing that as a disciple. You're telling me that for you to leave, God in the flesh, to leave is an advantage to us? I don't know about that. Jesus isn't just talking about, well, it's going to be kind of a disadvantage for you guys, but suck it up because it's going to be good for the millions of people after you. No, he's saying it's an advantage for them. Because what he's saying is, it's, it's great for me to walk next to you, but it's a whole another thing for me to walk and be in you. And that's what God is offering to us with the Holy Spirit in relationship to following Him. Jesus says that it's, 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 it's to our advantage or it is a gift that He goes away so that we receive the Holy Spirit who is our advocate, our helper. Now you might say, helper to do what? He says that He helps us by convicting, counseling, comforting, and so there's, there's this way in which he, he leads us and guides us and teaches and corrects. And, and, and you might say, okay, well, what is that for? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing about this says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So one of the reasons and one of the whys, freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what does the Spirit do? Helps us what? Contemplate the Lord's glory. It's kind of like this, this little light here. If it was dark in here and I just turned this on, you wouldn't, we wouldn't walk up to it like, man, so awesome. <laughs> Love the light bulb. Thank God for the light bulb. Because the point of the light bulb is not for you to look at the light bulb, it's to look at what the light bulb illuminates. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not for us to stare at the Holy Spirit, burn our retinas, which now I have spots. <laughs> the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Jesus, to highlight who Jesus is and who it is that we are to become more like, or to illuminate areas of our lives that He wants to work on to transform into the likeness of Jesus to remind us not of our mission, but the mission of God in which we are being called into. It is not for us to stare at, not for us to get obsessed with, but instead to be grateful for it so that we can, together by the power of the Holy Spirit, contemplate who Jesus is, what He's about, and how He will transform us into His likeness. See, the work of the Spirit looks like becoming more like Jesus. We are convicted, we are comforted, we are taught, we are counseled so that we become more like Jesus and we engage in His mission. We are empowered in order to bless and edify people around us in order for them and us together to become more like Jesus. It's not for goosebumps. It's not for superiority, like, oh, look at them, look, look, what, look what they do, look at their superpower, Holy Spirit muscles. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than someone else. The Holy Spirit makes you better than you. Forming us, transforming us 
into the likeness of Jesus. And so, we need teaching and we need spirit. We need spirit and word, not either or, but both and. Bill Jackson in his book, The Quest for the Radical Middle, says, history shows that the word without the spirit quickly becomes dead orthodoxy. And the spirit without the word quickly becomes cultish. See, it's like walking down a road with two ditches on the side. One ditch is, well, it's all me. I got this. Just going to grip my my teeth, white knuckle it. We're going to be really disciplined in order to experience transformation. Or the other side is, well, it's all the Holy Spirit. I guess I'm just like, come on, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Do your work. All you, you got this. And actually, it's somewhere in the middle where there's this divine partnership between our efforts and the work of the Holy Spirit. Dallas Willard, uh, out of his book, The Divine Conspiracy, quoted it multiple times throughout this series. The action of the Spirit must be accompanied by our response, which cannot be carried out by anyone other than ourselves. It's got to be us and the Holy Spirit. I so often wish that I could do it for someone else. But it's us and the Holy Spirit. And we can, part of the reason we need one another is to encourage each other to partner with the Holy Spirit. So, do you want to be maybe less reactive and more loving in your relationships? You can ask God, please God, make me more loving, all that. That's good. And you can go to emotionally healthy relationships. (laughs) Partner with the Holy Spirit. Because it's a combination. You say, God... I pray that my neighbors would, would come to know you. I pray that my mom or my dad or my coworkers or whatever, God, please do it. And God's like, I would love to. Now, now you go invite them to at the movies. <laughs> right? It's this, it's this middle ground of seek God. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. You're the only one who can break through. You're the only one who can be the transformer. But here I am. I'm going to put my energies in. I'm going to do this. It talks about this in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Lean into it. Put in some energy. Put in effort. Put in time. Put in resources. Now, if there was a period there, that would mean we need to, it's all us. But there's a comma, and he keeps going, and he says, for it is God's work who works in you to will and to act in in order to fulfill his good purpose. Work it out with fear and trembling. Put in the energy and put in the work. And it is God who is, at work, who is at work in that alongside you and you alongside Him for His purpose of transformation in your life. I highlighted this last week, the way of transformation, the formula, formula if you will, or the ingredients of information plus desire. Last week I called it inspiration, information plus desire plus willpower equals transformation. 
That's, that's the one ditch of it's all me. But the Scripture says in Galatians, as he's talking about transformation, the Apostle Paul says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Like, this is what we get when it's all us. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Sounds like social media. (laughs) Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't experience the kingdom of God if we are all about our own energies and being self-sufficient. But the kingdom formula, the kingdom ingredients for transformation are information and desire and willpower. Willpower, it's our participation. Plus community. We talked about that. It's a y'all. And Holy Spirit equals transformation. And And Paul goes on in Galatians and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so, when we gather on a Sunday, we gather, we, we hear teaching, we gather, we see one another, there's an element of community. But you know what else is, happens on a Sunday? It is engagement and encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might be like, well, I don't know, I haven't experienced that really. I haven't gotten some goosebumps or I haven't had all the feels. No, no, no. The Scripture says that when two or three are gathered together, that He is here with us. The Scripture says that He inhabits the praises of His people. So I like to call uh, Sunday morning a guaranteed place of encounter. Meaning, When you walk in the door and you participate in a Sunday, you know what happens? You are guaranteed to meet with God. Now, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to experience a goosebump or a feel or a cry or I don't know what it is that somehow you've attached to encountering the living God, but you're encountering the living God. I don't know. Should we go to church today? I don't know. Do you want to live with the, do you want to meet with the God of the universe? You're like, but Aaron, we can meet with, you know, we have the presence of God on our own. Very true. But the scripture indicates that we're that there's something unique about His presence when we gather with other people. There's a few other guaranteed places of encounter indicated in Scripture. One is where two or three are gathered. Another is with the poor. Another is in suffering. If you're ever feeling like, man, I just need to encounter God, put yourself in those spaces. And so we have teaching, community, and the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I certainly have found myself in plenty of, of situations where, where I think, I, I, I know my areas of growth. I know the areas where I need, that need to be transformed. And I, I neglect the Holy Spirit. I've got a good plan. I've got good willpower. I'm inspired. I'm, I got the info. And then I think, hey, why am I having such trouble? Why do I feel like I'm spinning my wheels? I love what A.W. Tozer says. 
He wrote this in a book called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled life is not a special, deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for His people. And so it should be for all of us, whether we've walked with Jesus for a few weeks or decades, to live a life that says, come Holy Spirit. When I've noticed that in my life, I, I, I find myself, in, when I spend time with God in the morning, just like, okay, God, not only am I sorry, but come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I need you. Can't do this on my own. We have become too self-sufficient. I need you. Come Holy Spirit. And so, our weekly practice as we land the, this particular series. I'm going to give you a weekly practice today and a lifetime practice. The weekly practice is the same as it's been for the last few weeks, and that is read the Sermon on the Mount every day, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Maybe you can't do all of it every day, but do a chapter each day. or some, Either way, where you're in it and you're asking the question, as I indicated last week, what area do I struggle with? Maybe the Holy Spirit will kind of pull a passage out, and you're like, hmm. And then ask or welcome the Holy Spirit to form it in you. Which may mean that you're going to have an opportunity to partner with the Holy Spirit to put yourself in that environment where you're going to need to make peace. Where you're going to have to take that, that big step of, and have a tough conversation in order to try and make peace. Or maybe it's the self-control of the Spirit of God to not counterpunch, but instead to love your enemies. so we really want to be saying, as we read the scriptures, we read the, the words of Jesus, come Holy Spirit, help me. The lifetime practice is to read the Sermon on the Mount at least once a month for the rest of your lives. Because why? We need to be reminded of the teachings of Jesus over and over and over again. Holy Spirit, come. So we want to, I want to take a moment and for us to even just do that together. Just take a moment together to practice welcoming the Holy Spirit. We're going to put a prayer up here on the screen that we're going to just going to pray together. Then after that, we'll just have a, a moment, personal moment. You can open your hands if you'd like as a way of indicating I surrender and I welcome. Open hands. Marcus is going to continue to play. Okay, in the first gathering, that just ruined the mood, by the way, but nonetheless, in the first gathering, I said, Callie's going to keep playing, and it was Marcus. So I thought, oh, I'm ready for it this time. But as I said in the first gathering, they are one. <laughs> well played. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Callie's going to play. Keep playing. So open your hands. Let's pray this together and then have this moment. Maybe it's a moment of confession, ways we've resisted. Just a, a fresh new welcome. 
Let's pray this together. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same Spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you individually and we welcome you collectively. Holy Spirit, come. At the end of the day, as we talked about, it's for transformation and transformation begins with obedience. Obedience to the way of Jesus. And for some of you here today, you like the idea of empowerment, help, the idea of obedience is a tough one for you. We live in a world that says, well, I'll obey if I understand or I agree. But really, if that's our only, if that's our filter for obedience, then ultimately we make ourselves our own God. And what Jesus is inviting every one of us towards here today is to trust in His goodness. To trust that His way, even if we don't understand, is good, leads to a flourishing and powerful life, a life that exhibits the kingdom of God. For some of you here today, the invitation is towards trusting in the goodness of God, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, the first time to say, I want the kingdom and I'm going to trust the King. And I trust your goodness that you are leading towards the best way. And so if that's you here today, would you just under your breath and sincerely in your heart say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you with my life. Maybe you've been away from church for a long time and Maybe you're coming back today and recommitting. It's a recommitment prayer of Jesus, I trust you. And maybe that trust is finding that, yeah, (laughs) I tried to go my own way and your way is good. But even if you're not in one of those two categories, the reality is for every one of us, 
our lives, whether you follow Jesus for a short amount of time or for a long time, is that daily we are saying, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you with my life, so I want to obey you and by your Holy Spirit, would you help me to do that? And so God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your teaching and we thank you for your spirit to empower us to live it out. God, we don't want to be people that just know it, but don't do it. We don't want to be people that that know about it or can talk about it, but don't practice it. God, we want to be people built on a rock because we know it and practice it. So that no matter what we experience in life, we would be the light of the world. We would be the salt of the earth. Not for our own glory, but to reflect the goodness and the grace of God into this world. So Holy Spirit, we say come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you help us to know what it looks like to walk with you, surrender to you, partner with you each and every day. This we pray in the powerful, life-transforming name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen.